Welcome to How We Scaled It for Design Teams, a show that explores the journey through the arduous road to growing a successful design practice. I'm your host, Adam Perlis, founder and CEO of Academy, a UX staffing and recruiting agency. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Meredith Black, former head of design operations at Pinterest, founder of the Design Ops Assembly and the Design Ops and a Design Ops consultant. She's also the co-author of the Design Ops Handbook, and Meredith has become one of the most authoritative figures in the Design Ops community. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here, Meredith. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited to chat today. Um, you know, before we get started, I'd love to give the audience a little bit of context about you. Uh, maybe you can share a bit about your background and also what you're up to now. Sure. Um, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, my name is Meredith Black, and I currently live in Monterey, California, so just a couple hours south of San Francisco. Um, moved down here about four years ago after um, I left Pinterest. And so that was kind of my, so was my entrance into a, a new type of working style, I would say. So starting remote before remote actually. A um, little bit about me and my background. Um, as Adam said, I run a design ops community called Design Ops Assembly. Um, I currently consult with companies all around the world on how to help better run their design teams, build design operations teams, and everything in between. Um, prior, I was at Pinterest, and then prior to that, I was at Facebook, where design ops kind of first started to really take off in the industry. Um, and then prior to that, I was just at a, a design firm called Hot Studio and then IDEO prior. So my whole career has kind of been in in the design world. I've never traditionally been an actual designer. I've just always been surrounded by designers and every single, yeah, basically every single job I've had. Wow, that's an incredible background and resume and awesome to hear about all those experiences and, and really, you know, you're one of the people that I know it's being foundational to the design ops practice. And, you know, I think that, you know, for our listeners who might not be so familiar with the concept, you know, cause it has kind of evolved and become kind of a new thing. I'd say over the five, past five to eight years, could you help define yeah. design ops in the simplest terms possible? Sure. So I would say design ops is everything but design on a design team. So if you're thinking about your designers and you're thinking about your designers, project plan and planning, managing scope, managing budgets, having to try to hire people, all of those things, learning and development, all of that usually kind of goes off the plate of the designer or the design manager or the design leader and goes on to design operations. So that way designers and design leaders can worry about the quality of the design and the usefulness of the design while somebody else kind of take cares, takes care of everything else on the back on the back end of things. So it's not a very um, sexy or glorifying job because so much of it is done on the back end. But the real goal of this job is to help designers and design leaders do their best work um, and get the best product out there to market. Oh, that's fa fantastic. Great to break it down in such simple terms for the folks who are listening. Um, you know, what are the things that you know, kind of led you on this journey, you know, as you spearheaded really design operations at Pinterest, probably one of the first people to have done that there, as, as I understand it. Yeah. But 
Tell us about yeah, how was, you came into that. Totally. So it was really interesting. So let's just take a little step back. For those who have been in the ad agency world or the design agency world, there is a very common role, which is the producer and or the account manager. And so I was basically doing that role in design in the design world and the agency world for a while. And what happened is when I started working at Hot Studio, which was this, it was about 75 people. Maria Giudis um, was the CEO and the design leader there. And, you know, we were, you know, we were a very small 75 person design agency working with kind of some of the best and biggest brands all over the place. And the producer, the account person was like really in charge of managing the relationship, but also helping the designers and kind of being that buffer between the designers and the client, so to speak. Um, and what happened is Hot Studio was acquired by Facebook. Facebook was Hot Studio's client for a period of time. And, you know, over the months, we went from two designers down at Facebook to 20 designers down at Facebook to then the acquisition, taking 75 people down to Facebook. When I say down, I mean um, from San Francisco to Palo Alto for those uh who are not in the Bay Area uh, when I mean that. And so, uh, you know, so at the time it was really interesting. My boss, Courtney Kaplan, who um, was, she actually was going on maternity leave three days after the acquisition. And so she was like, okay, I got to go. Like, I can't stay. Like, Godspeed, you know. And um, she had the baby. The baby's healthy. The baby is now way into school. Um but so there was this period of time where there were only a couple of us. There was a few of us from the producer side that were also part of the acquisition. And so we went into Facebook and we were just at the very early stages, just trying to figure out like, where did these designers go, right? You have designers that have been in an agency that have never been in-house or in a product environment, now working with product managers and engineers on a daily basis, literally sitting with them. And so you know, the first thing we did was we, you know, we made sure that we were pairing the right designers with the right skill sets to the right projects, which is really important, right? And so we, we wanted to make sure that everybody had a soft landing into Facebook, um, felt comfortable, you know, with their teams, felt comfortable what they were doing, what they were designing, all of that, and just really making sure they had a support system. And so, you know, while that, that acquisition and that transfer took a long time, to be honest, because when you're at an agency, you have clients and you have contracts. And so you have to narrow, you know, you have to wind down these clients and these contracts and then ramp designers up at Facebook, right? And so there's a whole like game of Tetris being played while this was all happening. So we were doing that. We were introducing, you know, design operations into Facebook. Courtney came back from maternity leave and really started kind of taking taking it over. Um and trying to evangelize it even more so within Facebook. And she did an amazing job. Um, right around that time, Bob Baxley, who um, is now the SVP of ThoughtSpot, or SVP of Design at ThoughtSpot, he was running Design at Pinterest. And he was looking for somebody who could just get things done very quickly. He had a very tiny design team. His role was to build that design team up. This was like, you know, very, very early days of Pinterest. There were only eight designers. I think I was the ninth person on the team. And so he really just needed somebody to come in and just help with all of the operation stuff. And that's where kind of design operations or 
that's that's kind of how it started I, in, in a way. There were other people out there, just so you know, who were doing it. Most, you know, notably is Lindsay Schweigler, who was at Uber, who went to Dropbox and is now at Apple. There's, um, you know, Elise um, Michelle, who was at Spotify. And so there were a couple of us doing the same thing. So it wasn't just like, you know, like Kristen Skinner and Peter Merholt came from Adaptive Path. They got acquired the same time Studio did. So there was like, there was this kind of momentum happening where there were a lot of us talking about the same things. It just wasn't like truly formalized yet. And um, and so I think Lindsay Schweigler actually like had the first formalized design ops name. And um, so it was her and Elise and I and, and Elise and I and, you know, we met Lindsay over over time. But Elise and I, we found each other on LinkedIn and we were like, hey, you're doing what I'm doing. Will you be my friend? I have like, like <laughs> what are we doing? And so that's how our friendship kind of started. And that's how her and I started evangelizing design ops and like truly trying to build this, bring in other leaders, evangelize it with other design leaders in Silicon Valley and whatnot. Uh, so those were like the original days where you could still fit a few design ops people in a room and talk about org turts and, and you know, talk about some of these things. But I think what was really beneficial is that design leaders were becoming incredibly receptive to this role. And I think part of it was a lot of these design leaders also came from design agency or design and agency backgrounds prior, right? Because design hasn't unfortunately always been in the product world. And so um, they were kind of like, wait a minute, I've always had this role. Why don't I have this role now in-house? And so I think it was a much easier sell for design leaders than it was anybody else in, in these companies. They were like, why do you need this role? I can't designers just do everything. And so I think it was kind of like a leap of faith. I think with a lot of these companies to be like, let's bring this type of person in. Let's show the value that this can bring to a design team. And if this works, we can grow this out. If it doesn't, you know, no harm, no foul. So that's kind of, I think like on, that's a very long winded way of saying like, that's really where like the inception of it came from and really when it started in around 2014, 2015. Wow. That's, that's a fantastic story and journey. It's awesome yeah. to hear also about kind of like how this was kind of born out of the uh, the producer role at a lot of agencies. You yeah. know, that's a role that, you know, I come from the agency world as well. And I, you know, I'm very familiar with that role. And I, and I've sp I speak to a lot of producers who are thinking about kind of making a career transition. You know, how do I go in-house? Yeah. And, and, and there's a few avenues. You know, one is, you know, going sort of towards the product management kind of route. But then there's kind of the, the more design right. ops or program management side as well that also is a great alignment of skills, right? So mm -hmm. um, I think it's really cool to hear you say that. I'm sure a lot of the people listening will be happy to kind of know that there's a, another area that they can go explore if they want to. Yeah, um, absolutely. One of the things that, you know, you started to mention was like, it was born out of a need, right? Like these companies had a problem and, or many problems that they were trying to solve. And so they they turned to you to kind of help solve some of those. What what were the obstacles like that you were facing maybe at Facebook? Um, and then, you know, maybe we can talk about what are the obstacles that maybe a, a company that's even smaller than a Facebook might face um, when it comes to establishing really their first design operations practice? Yeah, no, that's a really interesting question. And I don't think that there's a one size fits all answer, to be brutally honest. And I tell this to a lot of the leaders that I talk to is like, don't necessarily 
copy what somebody else is doing because it might not work for you. I think when it comes down to evaluating if you need a design ops person or a practice within your organization, start with what are the pain points? Like what are the pain points you are having? So as a design leader, are you not able to keep track of what everybody's working on? Are you not able to um, like do as much recruiting and like hiring and interviewing as you want to do because you're so busy? Are you not able to put the right onboarding in place because you're so busy? Like, are you like, you know, so some of these questions I think that are like really instrumental to building a design team, Um, you know, other questions, what does learning and development look like on your team? What does career frameworks look like? What does career growth look like? Like, I mean, there's a huge span, right, of things. And if you're at a smaller company, you might just need like pure infrastructure. Like, I just need to know that like I can like find like a or file organization structure where we know where everything is, you know, all of the right assets are there. We have a design system in place that everybody can use, you know, like very simple things that are going to save designers time, right? Instead of just having, you know, like one of their assets on their computer and like crossing their fingers and upload, you know, adding it to one of their design sketches and being like, oh, well, that could work, even though it's like an iOS asset for like an Android, you know, asset, like all of these little things, like I think just kind of help speed things up, make life a little bit easier. So I think that's that's one thing. How like what is in your way and what is taking up the most of your time and what is moving you away from leading a team, inspiring a team, and making sure you're getting the best design quality out of your team. And if you're suffering in all of these other areas, then it's time to think, okay, what are one or two things I can get off my plate that are going to be like home runs for the team that allows me to have more focus on the team and somebody else coming in to help with some of these aspects. And so I'm very much a like build the building, like have the building blocks. Don't just say like, I need a team of five or 10 design ops people and then we'll figure out what they're going to do. This role is, is, it's new when it's not new. So it's, it's, so, so it's kind of a, the role is evolving. Right. And so I think what's really important is that like, there are still a lot of people in a lot of organizations and a lot of companies out there. They are becoming less, but they're still out there that don't understand what the role is. And so start with one person, start with somebody who's going to be able to go in, like, you know, like, you know, start right away and just start making impact, just like low hanging fruit and just start making impact and show that this role is valuable and then start adding more people on. So it's more of a, it's more of an adoption and instead of, of of forcing a role down people's throats, right? Um, Because nobody wants to be told what to do. I think also design operations is also very much in tandem with people who love spreadsheets and love process and stuff like that. But like, you use the word process in a creative environment and you kind of like suck the creativity out of things, right? And so it's, yes, there's process, but only use process if process is actually going to work. Don't use process for process sake, right? Use it because it's going to help and people want it and they're like going to adopt it and it's going to make them better and move forward and, and better with their designs. Don't just put process in place just to just to keep it there. And so it's it's a really fine balance when you're bringing your first person in, right? And and I don't think that there's, I, I think it just, it really depends on what design looks like at the company, what design leadership looks like, how much design is already respected in that company. Because this person can come in and can be an advocate, 
and can can help evangelize for that, or this person can come in and just be like purely executional just to get a team up and running. Yes, I totally agree. Like, I mean, one of the biggest things, you know, with um, hiring your first design ops person is it's really born out of the 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 frustrations and the needs of the design ops or the design leader, you know, where they're just overwhelmed. They have too many things going on. You know, they don't have time to build a, a career ladder or an onboarding system or, um, or, you know, even deal with hiring decisions, you know, or maybe those are the things that they want to be involved in, but either way, they need to start triaging some of the work to other people. Otherwise they can't focus, you know, on the thing that they've been hired to do, which is build a great product or service and, and lead a team. And, um, and so that's where I think like, you know, design ops really plays this super essential role. And I agree that it, it's totally, you know, on a case by case basis, you know, you need to kind of assess the situation and, you know, even it's happened to me many times in, in my career, many times I had wished I was allowed to hire a design ops professional. Um, but you know, frankly, our, like the companies I was working for didn't want to pay for it. Um, so I'm glad to see that it's growing as a profession and becoming more and more popular because it's absolutely necessary to, you know, the efficiency and the success, I think, of any um, design organization. Yeah. The one thing I'd like to add to that is when when and if you are in a situation where headcount is an issue, the other way to look at it is if you have headcount for a designer and you don't have a headcount for a design ops person, if you you might want to consider taking that headcount and putting it as a design ops person instead of a designer. And I think when you start to realize that some of your designers are doing like everything in the kitchen sink, and then you're like, wait a minute, if they weren't working five hours on this and they were actually at five hours of design, like you like you're paying designers to do so much more than design. And that's kind of doing a disservice to the designer, right? And that's not yeah. to say that the designer shouldn't be responsible, or be held accountable, or be a leader, or like, you know, take notes in a meeting and all of that stuff. But when when the designer is doing more operational stuff than they are designing, take a step back and look how how like what percentage of all of your designers is doing that, and would it be worth swapping out one of those headcount for a designer and putting in an ops place so that way the rest of the design team can work at full capacity and not be stuck with with everything but design. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you're the founder or co-founder of uh, one of the best uh, design ops communities out there, Design Ops Assembly. Uh, why don't you tell uh, the audience a little bit about the community? Um, you know, I found it to be an incredible resource personally to learn about the field, uh, connect with other individuals inside of it, um, find out about job opportunities, uh, resources, all sorts of stuff. But uh, tell me more about, you know, what led to its foundation and uh, what you guys are up to today. Sure. So it all goes back to 2015 with Elisa Shell and her and I started talking about what is design ops and what are we going to do? And the one thing her and I both knew like instantly, like with this instant friend connection. And, and I think we both were like, we're doing the exact same thing. Why are we creating the wheel? Like, why are we constantly recreating the wheel? Like, why can't we just learn off of each other? And so that's what we started to do is we started to have like regular meetings to be like, how is your road mapping going? 
how is your org charts looking? What kind of people are you hiring? Like, you know, what do you see out in the industry? And so we started, granted, we weren't like sharing proprietary information. We were literally just sharing what we were going through and how we could do better. And so then, you know, Lindsay Schweigler, Michelle Morrison, like all of these people, Joanna Wilson, Adrian Allnut, we all started to meet together. And so we'd be like, okay, we're going to have a meetup in San Francisco. And then so we would come and then soon, like shortly thereafter, a couple of people would like fly in from different locations. And we were like, wow, this is really cool. Like there's really something here. So, you know, we'd have another event and then, you know, we'd have these events quarterly and we had no problem with companies offering up a, a conference room. And, and the agenda for these meetings was like purely how can we learn from each other? What job opportunities are out there? Um, and let's have a cocktail together and just get to know each other because we're in this industry and this industry is developing and like, like we're in this hot mess together. So uh, up to COVID, like prior to COVID, we were probably getting a little over a hundred people per events, which was crazy. We just asked, you know, the, the, the experts to come in and be like, Hey, do you want to talk about this or that? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. And so we'd sit there very casual, like very, you know, just like the bar was low just people meeting other people in this field. And then COVID hit and, you know, we had to change the business. We had to change the model. I had already left Facebook, I'm sorry, I had already left Pinterest at this point. And I really wanted to focus on design ops assembly a little bit more and like see what we could do and see how we could build this out a little bit more. Um, and so during COVID, Elise and I would meet halfway between San Francisco and, and Monterey um, at Santa Cruz. And we'd like, brainstorm like what are we going to do next should we try to do chapters should we try to do more events online should we do all this stuff and we decided the best and fastest and easiest way to do it is to have a slack channel we already had one but there was barely anybody on it and so we just shifted everybody who was a part of our our meetups to be like hey since we can't meet up in person why don't we meet up on slack we'd have you know events on slack we do all of that and you know, fast forward to now, we have close to 7,000 people on the Design Ops Assembly Slack channel. And we have a ton of different things happening at any given day, as Adam, you know. Um, and, you know, it was really interesting timing, too, because Elise, you know, at the time she was like about to get married. Now she she has a baby. And so she was like, I'm going to step back from the operational side of DOA um, and so I brought on Adam Bright Pierce. And so Adam, Adam and I have kind of been building design ops assembly for the last few years together. And uh, we still nag Elise every chance that we get, um, which is fun and rewarding. Um, but, you know, what we've done now is we're, we have this unique advantage point where we're starting to understand what design ops looks like in a bunch of different organizations, not just the ones that we came from. And we've got, you know, design leaders, you, leveraging the Design Ops Assembly Slack channel. We've got people who are new to the industry leveraging it. We've got people who are interested. We've got engineers. I mean, it, it's it's it spans the gamut because people are really curious about what Design Ops can offer and maybe how they can leverage some of the stuff we've created into their own jobs. Um, and so now what we are really focused on is we're really focused on education. And so we launched Learning Labs, which I can't believe we've, we're already in our sixth section of Learning Labs. Um, and learning labs are basically we get the best and the brightest people in the industry to teach what design ops is from like a fundamentals class all the way through and established leaders. 
And I think the thing that is interesting is that a lot of people who come to design ops, this isn't their first job. This isn't their first job out of college. This is this is like a natural progression from something else. And so um, you get a lot of folks who are like, huh, I've been a producer. Oh, I've been an account manager. Oh, like I've maybe been an EA or a recruiter or a designer even. And so they, they start by taking the fundamentals just to learn like what the frameworks of design ops look like and how they could be different to other things. And then they can continue on learning in the classes. Um, and then they get a cohort of people that they're like always connected to. Teachers have office hours, all sorts of stuff. So it just kind of becomes this community within a community. Um, and for the folks who, you know, aren't quite there yet or, you know, can, you know, can't afford to take the learning labs, we, we offer all sorts of things. We offer like mentorship opportunities. We offer monthly chit chats where the community can just get together. We have events happening all of the time online. Um, we have 21 global chapters where we've got chapter leads all over the world running events um, four times a year, which is really amazing. So that way local communities can get together. And so right now we're just kind of, we're at this, we're at this interesting place where there's a lot of um, forward momentum. Um, and it's basically just the bandwidth issue of Adam and I to, to get this all done um, on top of everything else. So it's been an interesting ride. I don't think this is anything any of us expected would happen. Um, but it's been really, really great to build a community and just to see people flourish within design ops, within all of these different industries. And I think you know, we're starting to see like it's not just design operations isn't just in software product companies. Design operations is now in like the Canadian government, the New Zealand government, the British government. We're talking like Hyatt. We're talking Ikea, H&M. I mean, the sky is the limit. Design ops assembly is or design ops just isn't just about software anymore. It's become a crucial part of these design teams all over the world in a bunch of different industries. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. I mean, amazing to see kind of like from the earliest, you know, parts of your journey where design ops yeah. didn't really exist yet. Uh, and it taking shape, you know, into, you know, some of these companies and then eventually, you know, you bringing that knowledge and expertise into these smaller communities and now growing it into such a large one. I mean, congratulations. Like that's a pretty impressive feat. Like you really, you know, took a, you know, your baby and, and, and it grew up, <laughs> uh, you know, into a, yeah. an all-star. Um, so I, kudos to you guys. I, I think, you know, you and, and all the folks who have helped, you know, establish the practice. Um, thank you. you know, yeah. The, I mean, I think that also goes to say like, there's been so many people along this journey. We have so many people volunteering all of the time. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, we kind of have this like, you know, board of directors of all of the original people that were part of the original design ops crew kind of like helping shape and shift, you know, shape this in a way that is beneficial for a lot of folks who have been in the industry for a long time and also the people who are also trying to start. And I think like I said, I think there's the, we're we're at this interesting point where design ops means a lot of different things right now, and so it's how do we grow this into something that is sustainable, um, and that is going to 
not just evolve into something else over time. And I think evolution is fine. Don't get me wrong. Like with sure. designers, you used to have like the UX designers and the visual designers that morphed into the product designers. I mean, like I think evolution is fine and great. It's just how do we do it in a thoughtful way where people are going to be able to feel like they can succeed and excel in their careers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if people want to join the Design Ops Assembly, um, where can they go to find out more? Sure. Yeah. Um, let, would love to have you. Uh, it's designopsassembly.com. And there's a big button that says join us. And uh, you can click that button and we will send you an invite within 24 to 48 hours. Again, we have volunteers inviting everybody into the org. So it might take a little bit of time, but don't worry. We're, we're on it. We'll get you in. Um, and yeah, I mean, come explore. There's always conversations happening about a million different things on any given day. It's it's a pretty active Slack channel. Uh, I'm quite surprised at how active it is. I'm like, wait a minute. do, do they, Does everybody work or are they just on the Slack channel? <laughs> um, but, you know, all of the conversations are incredibly productive and you know, again, people are just there willing to share information about what they've learned or what they've gone through or how to, you know, better somebody else's day or what's going on in, in you know, in, in, in certain situations. So if you're looking for education and a support group, definitely join us. Awesome. And uh, if people want to follow along with you and, you know, any of the things that you're up to, um, where's the best place to kind of uh, follow? Uh, probably LinkedIn, to be honest, right now. That's probably the easiest way. Um, I'm not big on this social media with myself personally, just because I don't have the bandwidth. Um, <laughs> but I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So I think that's probably the best, the best place to get me. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, and one thing I wanted to mention, you know, because we're on the same subject, um, you know, at Academy, we've been working with a lot of design ops professionals helping advise them about their candidacy, you know, how to stand out as a design ops professional or even make the transition, you know, in your career to uh, a design ops management type of role. And um, we actually produced a guide called the Design Ops um, Portfolio Guide, which a lot of design ops professionals don't realize that they actually could actually build a, a portfolio and tell their story yep. in a more visual way um, and also tell their story of leadership because a lot of design ops professionals are actually leaders within a team, even if they don't always have a direct report uh, that is, you know, coming into them. So um, a lot of great Absolutely. materials on our blog, um, which we'll definitely put into the show notes. Um, but Meredith, I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time with us today. It was wonderful to hear all about you know, design ops, the growing field, and also your career and um, thoughtful advice for, you know, the people that are listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, again, if anybody's got any questions, feel free to reach out. 